0: It's nice to see children here, it's nice, it's just, I feel like we're starting to get a little bit of normalcy, but um, the, the fact that we have people online and the fact that we have people in person uh, makes um, uh, the people, you, I look out here and it reminds me of when we were first getting started. Uh, by the time that we had to close our doors, uh, we, were, uh, we were growing and we had new visitors uh, every Sunday, come in and, and, and check us out. Uh, now we don't know, with with online stuff, it's hard to tell who's checking you out and who's, you know, uh, visiting, but uh, it, it's, a, it's a strange time to start a church, to get into that groove and then have the pandemic put the, the kibosh on it. And I've been thinking a lot about this the last... Uh, a couple weeks, especially as we're reaching uh, as we reach the the year anniversary of being having to close our doors, uh, of trying to to get things uh, flowing again as we've we've been starting to take reservations again, and just how do how do you start a church? You know, you have to almost go back to the basics of how do you start a church? Uh, you can't have You know, the the big to do's anymore. You can't have the big social gatherings right now. And so, how do you start a church? Um, This is Palm Sunday. It's the day that we recognize when uh, Christ uh, came through the gates riding on a donkey and was praised. And Christ knew that uh, his His mission uh, at that particular time was about to be fulfilled. Um, Today, we are continuing a series of the stories before the New Testament. So I want to talk about another person's adventure into uh, entering a new area and what that was like for them. And I want to talk about uh, how that coincides with how that influences me as a pastor on starting a church. Uh, we've been talking about uh, Moses, and if, you have, or if you're just joining us today, uh, you can go back to our YouTube page, and they're, they're actually marked like Moses 1, Moses 2, Moses 3, something like that. I'm not sure exactly which one this is now, uh, but a little I want to catch up a little bit. Moses was born into a time where just by being born, he faced uh, persecution, he faced ridicule, uh, and he faced a lot of prejudiceness just for who he is. He was born at a time in Egypt where the, uh, the Hebrew population, which is what Moses was, Uh, was growing, and it was thriving, and it was a a group of people that uh, meant no harm to anybody. They uh, were not a threat to anybody. Uh, They were a people that were just growing, a population of very faithful people that were growing, and that scared the leader of Egypt so much that what he wanted to do is he wanted to oppress them. He wanted to keep them at bay. He wanted to keep them in Egypt so that he could use them for slavery, for harsh labor, uh, for the jobs that nobody else wanted to do. But he didn't want them to grow so much that they would be uh, an equal in the population of the people in Egypt. Uh, why, I don't know why equality scares us so much. Uh, why that is such a threat even today, where people uh, are threatened by certain populations or certain people amassing enough to where they are equal, uh, it's, it's baffling to me. But it was so uh, scary to the pharaoh of Egypt that what he wanted to do is he set out a law that anybody that was born a male, the minute that they were born, they had to be put to death. That was his way of controlling the population. It wasn't uh, anything for the Pharaoh to kill male children. We have, we have a male child right over there. And I just want us to pause and think about this. He's, he's, is he crawling? Oh, it's wonderful. I love seeing children here again. And does that child over there crawling around, does that seem like a threat to any of you? I, I really pray it doesn't. But that is what was a threat to the pharaoh of Egypt at the time. I, I want us to pause there and just think about that. We gloss over stories so often, and especially in some of the scriptures, we gloss over it so often. I really want us to pause there and think about what it was like to be a person of the Hebrew culture, trying to start a family, trying to just get on in their day in that time. You were once appreciated in that community and now you are hated so much that the only value that you have is manual labor. There are people that uh, are around you. Uh, if you were an Egyptian, you could, you could beat and kill a Hebrew slave uh, with, no, with facing no, no persecution. This is your life at any time. Uh, no matter where you went, you had to watch your step you had to watch your way. You were constantly reminded that you were less than. And the biggest threat that you had was that you were thriving as a population. That's, the, that's what Moses was born into. And Moses was born male, and what happened was is that his mother, fearing the worst, hid Moses. And as we've talked about in our previous times, the daughter of the Pharaoh saw the baby. And took him in as her own. Because she had compassion. In this strange story of black and white. And again, we continually try to, when it comes to the stories here, we try to have a villain and we try to have a hero. And if anything that the Old Testament teaches us and the New Testament thats that there is a tremendous amount of gray in our world. And there continues to be this day. We cannot define things or people black and white. There are uh, people within where we think that are supposed to be our enemies that are actually our friends. The, the question is, do we take the time to get to know people as individuals and to get to know people and listen to them, to learn whether or not they are a threat to you or not? We have here in the, in the play, we have the, uh, the Pharaoh, which is... Uh, the villain of the piece, and he sees the entire Hebrew community as a threat. He's never gotten to know them. He's never experienced what they are. He sees them as a threat. But we have the Pharaoh's daughter that is able to look outside the box, see a child, and have compassion on that child. Now, What we want to believe is that she takes Moses in and Moses becomes a prince of Egypt. And we've seen actual movies. I think there's one actually called Prince of Egypt where he's raised in this Egyptian home and he's got everything that he wants and he enjoys life because he has been taken out of the the oppression and put into the land of, of plenty. I don't know if that's really the case. Because Moses, growing up all this time, knew who he was, he knew that he was a Hebrew, and he knew that his people were oppressed. And so what we learn here is that the, uh, the life that Moses lived, his life was spared, but he lived in a house where he was an outsider, Now, imagine living that way. I want you to pause just another time there, and you're not killed, but you are your entire culture, your entire environment, you are an outsider. You are not thought of as much, uh, uh, you're not respected as much as other people. You are not thought of as an equal. You are thought of as an outsider. You are thought of as a less than. People tolerate you because somebody that has power Took pity on you, but that doesn't mean that he got everything he wanted. That means that he was an Egyptian now, and he grew up in an Egyptian culture, but he was Hebrew. And imagine he probably didn't know anything about his own community. He didn't know, uh, you know, the 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 the, the, the practices, the, the the traditions, growing up in his own uh, his own cultural environment. Did he know about God? The Hebrews were the people that first introduced the world to God. Did Moses have any idea who this God was? Because if he was raised in an Egyptian home, the things that he was taught and the things that he learned were that they were pagan gods, they were Egyptians gods, and even the Pharaoh himself was treated as a god. So Moses is growing up in this household, and he is being... Uh, an outsider feeling like he is torn between two environments and two worlds. His heart continues to go toward his people. And one time he walks through the town and he sees, he sees a Hebrew person being beaten to death by an Egyptian. What do you do when you see something like that? For him... The Bible says that he looked this way and that way. We don't know if he was looking this way and that way for witnesses or if he was looking, a lot of uh, scholars say that he was looking this way and that way to see if anybody was going to help this poor person that was being beaten within inches of his life. And so Moses intervenes and kills the Egyptian. Now he's in real trouble. Now he's, got, he's basically proved to the Pharaoh everything that the Pharaoh feared you allow a Hebrew in, they're going to be violent, they're going to uh, be a threat, they're going to kill. And so now Moses has fit that stereotype in the eyes of Pharaoh, regardless of whether or not he was there to help him or not. And so by doing this, the Pharaoh now very quickly... Now remember, if you were an Egyptian and you killed somebody... You would be given a trial. You would be given a fair shake. The Egyptians uh, had their, their own court system. But because Moses, the Hebrew, has now killed an Egyptian, the Pharaoh immediately puts out a call for his death. And Moses catches wind of this, and he escapes. And where he has to go now is a place Called Midian. This is a a map of the uh, uh, Old Testament times. You've got Egypt over here, and Moses has to go to Midian. Now he is really an outsider. He's not an Egyptian anymore, he's not with his uh, Hebrew people anymore. He is on the run now. He has nowhere to turn, his life is being threatened. He has got a death warrant on his own head. Imagine now, again, let's pause, how would you feel? How would you feel if you were marked a dead person from the time that you were born and you were watched to where anything that you did outside the line, even going to the aid of somebody else, fits you into a stereotype fits you into a black and white view of yourself. They say that Moses was probably about 40 at this time. So for 40 years, this guy has felt alone, isolated, a foreigner. He has felt uh, not welcome in his own community. He has mingled with uh, Hebrews and they don't trust him because he dresses like an Egyptian. He has no welcome with the Egyptians because of his Hebrew uh, lineage and because now they want to kill him. What does this have to do with starting a new church? Hang on. Hang with me just for a second here. Moses comes into this town, and he, uh, the Bible says we'll actually go to it. Exodus uh, 2.15. When Pharaoh heard about this matter, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the presence of Pharaoh and settled in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Now, this is a modern image here, but this is not too far off. Of what it was like when Moses entered this community people that were uh, shepherding and uh, flocks and everything and people would they would build these these wells much like some of them are still there and Moses found this well and of course he's been traveling he's been walking he's been trying to figure out what he's going to do with his life he's completely lost he's completely isolated he feels deathly alone he feels threatened fearful tired worn out the one thing I'm sure that he probably doesn't feel right now is joy and everybody in this world deserves to feel joy he stops by this well and he sees some women come to draw water out of the well but the shepherds they try to shoo the women off uh, and in those days women were not treated very very kindly so shooing them off could have been an act of violence And Moses was able to protect them because at the time he is still dressed as an Egyptian and everybody fears Egyptians. And so he does look different, but he's dressed as an Egyptian and that scares the crap out of the the shepherds and they go hightailing it and he's able to save the people. The women take him back to the house where they say there is a, a priest, a priest of Midian. Now that's weird, isn't it? Because we don't have priests yet, do we? give you some 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 uh some history here and what some historians believe uh is what the case is is that the midians uh one of abraham's sons remember abraham was the first person to experience god one of abraham's son was called midian and so it's believed that those are descendants and so that they would be familiar with the God that Moses is not familiar with right now. And so this priest sees Moses, hears about what he's done, hears about the travel that he's had, and what does he do? Now, what would you do? You're a person that you have these, these lovely Uh, daughters, you have this nice home, and now here comes a person that is a Hebrew but he's dressed like an Egyptian and he's running from the law because he's killed somebody, and now he's here, knows nothing about your God, knows nothing about uh, your way of life, but now he is here. You've heard about the Hebrews, you've heard about the Egyptians. Do you let this person in? To your life. Do you take this person that is seeking joy in to your life? The priest not only takes him in, but introduces him to his daughter. The Bible says that the uh, uh, the, the, the priest uh, gave him one of her one of his daughters. Now, we can say that that's like, you know, giving our hand in marriage and things like that. I don't know what the deal was there. Uh, But Moses is welcomed inside that home. And it's believed that during this time, this priest of Midian is able to introduce with love, with love, a God of Moses' people that Moses may not have even been aware of being raised as an Egyptian. They took him in. Knowing that that could be in trouble, that knowing that the Egyptians are after Moses, knowing that it could be uncomfortable for them, knowing all of the stereotypes of Hebrews, of Egyptians, of all of these people, knowing that he could be violent, he could be dangerous because he has this thing in his past, but they took him in. They took him in and they shared God with him. And the, in Exodus two twenty one to twenty two, Moses was willing to live with the man, and he gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses. Then she gave birth to a son, and he named him Gershom, for he said, "I have been a stranger in a foreign land." Moses has spent his life as an outsider. It was the priest of Midian that allowed him in and he stays there for quite some time. So much so that it will lead to a calling of Moses from a God that Moses until now may not have even heard about. This is the person that is going to rescue his people. This is a person that uh, you cannot follow the story of Christ without knowing the story of Moses. This is the precursor to the story of Christ. And it all started because somebody took him in. What would happen if that priest said, I don't want the headache. I, I, don't, want, uh, I don't want your type here. I definitely don't want your type marrying my daughter. And Moses had to move on. That's how we start a church. That's how we learn to be Christian. When somebody is in need, when somebody is hurting, when somebody has a past and wants to learn ways that they can change that past, we let them in. We don't have to be priests to do this. But as Christians, we're called to do this when we have people in this world that are ridiculed by the color of their skin or the nationality or the culture that they arrive from or the fact that they, they fit some other strange judgment, our job is to let them in. Our job is to let them in and teach them and share with them the God that we know the God of love. I, I said, you know, when we started uh, earlier about, uh, you know, uh, that this church needs to grow. And that, uh, you know, we, we do, uh, do some marketing and stuff, but I don't want to be a gimmick. You know, I don't want to be a, uh, you know, I don't want to put a smoke machine here or, you know, bells and whistles or anything like that. I just, because the most amazing thing that we have as Christians, the most amazing thing that we have the most sincere thing that we have is ourselves. When we have people come in, are we sharing our honest self? Are we sharing love? Are we telling people, wherever they come from, that they're welcome here? I really pray we are. And I really pray that whoever you are, whatever trials you're going through, that you can find rest here. That's what Moses needed in a life of struggle, in a a, a life of confusion, and a life of feeling like an outcast, in a life of prejudice,ness and hatred and violence. What he needed was a place of rest and a place to be appreciated and loved. May we, may we be that place. For all out there that are seeking a little time at the well. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we all have our struggles. We all have our past. We all have things that make us just tired. We we all have turns that we wish we would have turned the other way. We have all made mistakes. We have all fallen flat on our face. We have all sought a reassuring hand. We have all sought comfort. We have all sought love. Help us be reminded that that's why you are here. And help us to be reminded that that's why we are here. To be an echo of that welcoming love. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Life would be so much easier If rather than waking up and deciding who we're going to hate today, we thought differently. Remember, Christ is all about thinking differently. Today is Palm Sunday, a day that we celebrate when Christ walked into basically enemies' hands. But he knew he would win. With love. With love. So will we. Love God. Love yourselves. Love your neighbor. Amen.